We are 22 West Radio. 22 West Radio is 22 West Media dot com and 88.1 FM KKJZ AC3 Long Beach, Los Angeles. And you are now listening to Foodology Radio, a student-run radio show where you can hear the science and nutrition, receive dietary tips, have your own nutrition questions answered, and so much more. <laughs> Disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. We are nutrition students, not medical professionals. This information should not be substituted for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Before making any substantial changes to your diet or lifestyle, please consult a physician, registered dietitian, or other medical professionals. Good afternoon. Welcome to Foodology Radio. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm the other host, Aaron. And today's episode is all about cognition and how nutrition can help affect cognition um but first our nutrition in the news of the day is all about matcha yeah so but before we start getting into that uh, i think this is a perfectly timed episode uh just because about the time this is airing it should be about uh, either the week before or during finals week uh, which is a time where i'm sure a lot of people would really appreciate uh, having a bento or better uh, mental performance right or at least maybe learning a little bit about it during this time yeah so nutrition really affects every part of your body and especially during finals week it could help uh, with the right uh, yeah. nutrition you could perform better on your tests yeah i'm pretty sure we all want that right uh, better test scores if not at least having an easier time getting through finals week uh, right just I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are are really really good friends with coffee and caffeine during this time which we actually will talk about a little bit later in the episode uh, but speaking of coffee and caffeine uh, that's actually uh, or at least its sister uh, matcha is actually the nutrition and use uh, section today so it's an article from today's dietitian uh, talking about the quote-unquote magic of matcha and the potential health benefits it could pose uh, if you drink it on a regular basis so the article just starts off with like an interesting backstory with matcha. So it's telling it like, oh, back then it was used like uh, during meditations, right? And it recently got like gaining popularity in the United States. It's mostly like a health trend, right? I'm sure most of you see matcha as like a health food, right? And that's part of the like the marketing and trending uh, here in the United States that we often associate with matcha. So matcha can be a good replacement for coffee if you do not like the taste of coffee or just prefer to avoid it for your own personal reasons. Uh, and it also is also convenient uh, compared to coffee because sometimes, like, I don't know if you notice this, Michelle, at least I do sometimes, but sometimes you make it like a caffeine crash um, where you have like a lot of jitterness and nervousness after you drink coffee. Um, meanwhile, with matcha, you can better regulate this just because like the has an amino acid in it, L-theanine, which can help. I can calm you down a bit and help prevent this crash. Yeah, I definitely get a little jittery after drinking too much coffee. Um, I have not noticed. I I guess I haven't been paying attention to like how I feel after drinking matcha, but I guess I I don't really notice jitteriness. (laughs) Yeah, and that could be with the L-theanine content, right? That's the the article is mentioned about. But also, like, well, even like matcha is like 
less caffeine occur in coffee. So I'm not just also sure that that's part of the equation, but uh, the L-theanine part of it surely helps as well. Uh, meanwhile, when I first drank coffee, I definitely noticed a caffeine crash uh, around like three or four hours after I drank it. Um, I don't really notice it too much anymore. Maybe I'm more used to it because I do drink coffee. That was like after like a year of not drinking coffee. I drink coffee maybe like once or twice a week. So it's more regular now. But me personally, I do. I did notice it when I was fresh into it. Yeah, so should have explained this at the beginning, but if you didn't know what matcha <laughs> is, it's basically um, extracted from green tea. So most people buy it in like a powder form and you can mix it into like milk or water. <laughs> yeah, I usually always add it to like milk or like oat milk, right? Um, I don't really drink it with water. Um, that's pretty hardcore to just drink it with water. But yeah, we should have mentioned that in the beginning now that I think about it. Um, we got too excited with the article to for- and we forgot about it. But yeah, matcha is essentially just like green tea, um, just grown with less sh- sunlight and shade. And it's the direct leaf itself because green tea is sort of like the extract of the leaves, right? You put the leaves in water you and then you throw away the leaves. Uh, matcha, uh, you actually eat the leaves as part of the drink is in a powder form. So that's the main difference when it comes to uh, green tea and matcha tea. Yeah, and personally, I just think matcha tastes a, a bit better. It's like a lot more flavorful. And that's why it's growing in popularity so much. Like I've been seeing it everywhere. Um, all your coffee places <clears throat> now incorporate matcha into their menu. Mm, yeah. And even like acai bowl places, they have like uh, matcha as like toppings or whatever. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like... Um, I don't know. I guess like you can add like chia pudding into like a layer or whatever, and it'll be like matcha flavored. But yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, no, I think Starbucks has a matcha drink now, if I remember. Don't call me on that. I'm pretty sure they do. Um, yeah, so does Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, what? My Dunkin' Donuts has matcha tea. That's new to me. Yeah, they they've had it for a while, I think. Okay, well, I I don't think I've ever been to Dunkin' Donuts, so. You know, maybe I'm not the person to be to know about this sort of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, but some people are really into matcha. Like, I know like um one person they make like everything matcha. It's like they make like matcha cupcakes, matcha cake, matcha like brownies, waffles. Like they they put matcha on everything. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, so you can really use it to flavor a lot of different things. <laughs> Yeah, apparently things outside of drinks too, even like cakes and cupcakes as well. If you get that creative or you're, or you're that experimental, right? But I'm sure I think I'm sure it tastes good. Is I never had it personally. Matcha cake is personally one of my my favorite ways to eat it. Oh, you had matcha cake? Yeah. Oh, how was it? Did you like? What did you like about it? Like the. Was it just, it's just an interesting flavor. Just an interesting flavor. Did you feel? Did you feel like, energized, so to say, after it? Like you had caffeine no <laughs> no okay <laughs> maybe you didn't have enough well there's also a lot of sugar in it so <laughs> oh okay wait two, no, no, that's fair <laughs> and i don't yeah i don't think you would feel i don't i don't feel like <laughs> super crazy effects after eating every food <laughs> oh well well maybe not maybe not with matcha then all right so back to the the main point of the article, uh, talking about the potential health benefits of matcha. So uh, these benefits of matcha primarily come from the, what they're called antioxidants in it. Um, so like 
the article then mentions like specific um, like compounds in the plant that actually are believed to be tied with the be benefits of matcha. So like the first one being catechins, um, I believe, I think they pronounce it catechins. Um, so the reason matcha is so special when it comes to catechins is just because, of course, you with matcha, you actually eat the leaf itself, not just like the, the extract of it, like green tea or black tea where you throw away the leaves. Uh, so it's actually believed that matcha tea actually has a much higher antioxidant content compared to uh, other sorts of teas where you often throw out the, the tea leaves. And another antioxidant that's found in matcha is quercetin, if I'm saying that right. But basically, it's a phytochemical associated with neuroprotective function, improved glucose regulation, and anti-carcinogenic effects. Yeah, so quercetin is a very, very powerful antioxidant, as you can see, along with um, catechins, right? Uh, the catechins also believe in to like uh, help neutralize like the dam or free radical damage that you have in your body, and so both of these combined makes a really large effect when it comes to matcha. And the third one, uh, this one's a lot easier to pronounce. Rut, okay, maybe not. Rudin, is that how you pronounce it, Ernest Chow? Rutin. I would say Rudin, but Rudin. I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, maybe we should watch some videos on how to pronounce these words before we did this, but. Uh, rutin, rutin, I'm sure someone knows out there is really face forming on us right now. Um, so rutin along with vitamin C, um, another vitamin or a vitamin and chlorophyll, like the green pigment in plants. Um, but all three of these combine or like work together to provide the anti-inflammatory effects seen in matcha. And which again is also to believe to uh, help with diabetes and also helping to combat uh, neurodegeneration. And another major component of matcha is an amino acid in it uh, that's called L-theanine. And so L-theanine has uh, been studied and believed to actually like help make you feel more relaxed, um, make you feel more calm, and also lower the amount of tension you personally have. Uh, so overall, it just like makes you feel kind of more zen, if I were to put in one word. Um, so that's one part of matcha. And if you drink matcha, you may feel more zen. At least I do personally. How about you, Michelle? Do you feel, do you feel more zen when you drink matcha, or any like tea, for example? Um, yeah, I guess, guess? <laughs> I don't really feel a difference. But okay, yeah. Maybe as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, L-theanine um, can help combat some of the effects you feel from um, lots of caffeine. Yeah, and it's through the ex explanation of like making you feel, like I said before already, makes you feel more relaxed, calm, and less tense. Uh, speaking of caffeine, uh, matcha does have caffeine in, in it, um, so you still get some of the benefits of caffeine when it comes to like um, like improving your long-lasting cognitive tasks, like making you feel focused for longer, and also aiding in you feel more alert and rigorous. Rigorous. So, yeah, overall, matcha uh, is a great drink if you do personally like it or or if you want to try and get in, into it. Uh, the, overall, the science does propose matcha being a a very good healthy drink to combat like the free radical damage you have and also lowering lowering your risk of like diabetes, heart disease, cancers, and potentially neurodegenerative diseases in the future. Um, so, but it is worth noting that um, due to the caffeine content in matcha, it actually is recommended uh, for people who do have like uh, gastrointestinal uh, reflux disease or ga no, gastroesophageal reflux disease. So like, um, like you're having acid in your esophagus, essentially, uh, gastritis or migraines, um, 
the caffeine content in this in the matcha can actually trigger these conditions. So if you do have those conditions, maybe uh, think twice about drinking matcha. But uh, for other people who don't have these conditions, it very well could be that it's worth trying it out. See if you like it. Um, I actually did buy some matcha before uh, coming here today. Uh, I saw like, oh, what's the nutrition news today? Oh, we, we'll do uh, matcha. I was like, oh, I haven't had matcha in forever. Uh, so I actually tried it out. Uh, at least he, I actually bought it before coming here. So hopefully later today, or maybe not later today, maybe tomorrow morning, I feel, I feel zen, <laughs> to sort of say, after I drink it. Yeah, now I'm craving matcha, so I might go make some during our break. <laughs> during your break, yeah, maybe. Or maybe maybe the audience can also get some matcha during the break time as well. Um, overall, everyone today gets matcha. I think that's the, the quote of the day. Everyone today will get matcha. So uh, that was the article today. So the magic of matcha. So hopefully all of you now learn the magic of matcha. Maybe consider buying it yourself and trying it out. But uh, right now we do have to go on a quick commercial break. But after that, we are going to go back to the main topic of today's episode. And that being cognition.
I'm Georgie. And I'm Olivia. And we're Brains Are Sexy Radio. And you're listening to 22 West Radio. Find joy in the simplicity of the moment, right here, right now. Tune into a mindful moment on 22 West Radio, Wednesdays at 8 p.m., where we bring awareness to the present. One in five students on CSU campuses experience food insecurity while in college, according to a study commissioned by CSU Chancellor Timothy White. The Associated Student Beach Pantry operates as an official food pantry for Long Beach State students. The pantry provides non-perishable food items for students in need. Also housed in the Beach Pantry is the Student Swap Shop Program, aimed at providing students with an opportunity to swap unneeded or old school supplies. The Student Beach Pantry exists on the generous donations of students, staff, community, and corporate giving. To donate, visit ASICSULD.org and search Beach Pantry. Welcome back to Foodology Radio. Hope you enjoyed the commercial break. Um, So our main topic of today's episode is cognition. And there are a variety of vitamins and minerals that are important for cognition. Um, When you lack some of these vitamins and minerals, this can cause mental defects or lower mental performance. So we're going to get into some of the vitamins and minerals that I'm talking about. (laughs) That we're talking about, yeah. So the first one is very, very general, sort of like a group. Uh, At least the study that we're referencing here is sort of like group these all together. So... Uh, in general, those with higher B vitamins, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, vitamin E, and the omega-3, um, they were all found to have higher test scores when tested compared to those who had uh, lower levels of these vitamins, uh, which showed a, uh, like a direct relationship when it comes to how much or how nourished you are uh, and your mental performance, right? at least with the test that they used. And actually, an interesting fact, um, in the study, I actually found that uh, 30% of the variation in brain volume between the patients um, was actually linked uh, to their nutrition biomarkers or how many of these nutrients they had in their body, which I found very interesting. That's a little bit... I, guess I was surprised with, with reading that, a 37% uh, variation just through diet, essentially, and how many vitamins and minerals you're actually taking in. Um, I, I was very surprised with that. How about you? Are you shocked at all? With a number at all, 37% of variation. Yeah, that's a pretty significant percentage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I was finding it like, really, really surprising, like that it being that high of a number, uh, just through diet, right? Uh, outside of like our own, like solving puzzles or exercise, right? Just just through that one factor, it accounts for 37%. Yeah, you always hear like. Um, to that breakfast is just as important as like studying for a test you know oh yeah (laughs) because yeah you gotta eat in order for your brain to function (laughs) yeah i'm sure some people in the audience and i'm sure myself too in the past have noticed that if you're taking a test and you're not like eating that much food uh you can't really focus on the test and you you do a lot worse in tests when you're like in that sort of state um so it's not fun to be in that like that 
Yeah, and another important mineral um, in cognition is iodine. So iodine deficiency is actually uh, a notable cause of mental developmental problems in children. Iodine is required in the synthesis of thyroid thyroid hormones that are responsible in early growth and development, which affects kidneys, liver, heart, muscles, and most importantly, the brain. Iodine deficiency disorders um, also lead to mental impairment and leave individuals weak to fight diseases, have difficulty learning, and working effectively. Yeah, so iodine is one of those minerals that like a lot of people have issues um, obtaining, right? At least in the past, uh, and especially as a mineral that not many people f- focus on very often. You mostly hear on the other uh, vitamins and minerals, not too much in iodine. Um, for those of you wondering, uh, goods or these sources, a uh, common source of iodine um, in the American diet is often salt, uh, just because uh, we oftentimes we add salt or we add iodine to salt. Uh, to make up for the lack of iodine often seen in the diet. But um, other sources of natural iodine, um, I believe like seaweed is a good source if you don't want, if you want a salt-free version. Um, of course, supplements if you want to go that route. And um, just like, um, normal fruits and vegetables, or mostly the vegetables and grains, uh, but it really depends on the soil that you're growing on and they're not too, too reliable to get their iodine on. Um, oftentimes, like a potato, for example, is a good, uh, often common example where it can have a lot of iodine if it's going if it's grown in um, healthy soil, but it can have very little iodine if it's grown in iodine deficient soil. So, uh, really, it's it's usually advised that you get a dedicated source of iodine that's more consistent than just getting it through uh, grains and tubers, for example. Yeah, I could go on and on about all the sources of iodine, <laughs> but yeah, the, your main source is probably going to be table salt. Um, yeah, just as long as you don't switch to sea salt and use that exclusively, you should uh, be yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, some people like to go to the sea salt alternative for like health reasons. They think it's sea salt is healthier than normal table salt, even though like practically they're more or less the same. It's just sea salt doesn't have the iodine, right? So you can run the deficiency risk when it comes to that. So those are the most important vitamins and minerals in brain cognition. Another one that's important to mention, um, it's not a mineral or vitamin, but trans fat also affects thinking performance and memory tests. And as we know by now, trans fat is typically found in junk food and fast food, which are staples of the American diet. Yeah, so often, well, this isn't a little bit misplaced in the article, but or in the outline, because um, you don't need trans fat. Um, but it's worth mentioning um, right now just because it's not an essential part of your diet. It's often linked with many other health issues outside of just um, worse performance and, mem- and memory tests. And uh, something you should probably or definitely try to minimize in your diet or potentially avoid if you can. But as often, often seen to have high intakes in people, right? So if you have, if you're eating a lot of processed foods, right, um, you can have a very high intake of trans fats. So it's not just worth um, trying to focus on like what you can add, but if you can, also try to see if you can minimize um, your processed food intake, right? Uh, try to get through both angles of, of the diet, so to say. So going on in the episode, we're actually now gonna talk about more about the 
supplements or things you can add to your diet uh, when it comes to boosting your own personal mental performance. Uh, so, but the biggest supplement um, likely touted out there for mental performance is likely to be creatine. Uh, some of you may know creatine for, if particularly if you're interested in like bodybuilding or if you're into uh, fitness, you may hear often a lot for increasing your own physical performance, um, maybe like lifting a little bit heavier weight or running for a little bit longer um, or any of, for your particular sport. And But uh, there is some studies going into the potential cognitive performance benefits of creatine um, for healthy people and for, their, or for people also going uh, undergoing through the dementia. So in a systematic review of six studies, or essentially what that is, like a one study analyzing six separate studies, uh, did find that creatine actually did help with increasing or improving short-term memory and intelligence reasoning um, in healthy individuals. Uh, but the study did mention that when looked over the long-term, uh, long-term memory, uh, attention, reaction time, uh, fluency of words, and uh, response exhibition actually gave uh, mixed results. So it's not conclusive if creatine does help long-term uh, with those factors, but at least in the short-term, uh, may help you a bit. And that's actually worth interesting. And I see it's very interesting to note that uh, vegetarians and likely also vegans uh, did respond better uh, than meat eaters um, during these uh, memory assessments um, after taking creatine, which makes sense, right? Uh, creatine in the diet really is only found in meats. And uh, vegetarians and vegans, they don't really eat um, any meat products. So uh, they likely will be the ones that has that can benefit the most from adding creatine into their diet, um, you know, in some way, in one form or another. Uh, so I find it very, very interesting. Um, how about you, Michelle? Did you find it interesting? Do you find that expected or unexpected to see that? Yeah, I don't really know too much about creatine, but um, yeah, it's an interesting supplement that I'd love to learn yeah. more about. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the more common supplements seen in the fitness industry besides maybe like protein powder that's probably still way more common in creatine but uh yeah if there's any i mean i've i mean of course i don't eat meat right personally myself um neither do you michelle but um i have started taking creatine about like uh, two months ago and for me personally just just an anecdote i did notice uh, an improvement when it comes to my personal cognition uh, when it came to school and all that um and I think I had a better response to it just because I didn't eat meat personally. So, but if there's anyone in the audience, um, you know, like if you don't have any medical conditions, um, of course, speak to your doctor as well. But I would maybe suggest maybe trying it out for a little bit. But, you know, that's just my own personal thing, not very, not my own expert advice. But, and in the study, it did notice um, the best improvements when it came to older adults. So people age 65 and older. And for those... Uh, young adults who were, had very high levels of stress. So, for example, like, you know, college students or people who have uh, a very, very intense job uh, did notice the most benefits when it came to those populations. And with older adults or with young adults that had very little added stress, uh, it did notice uh, little or no benefit uh, when it came to supplementation with creatine. And and, it's believed with, and with this, it's believed that creatine likely has better results when it came to those, you know, under their older adults and those who have very high levels of stress, uh, which I'm sure is most of you in the audience because I'm assuming a lot of you are college students as well. And I'm sure a lot of you have a lot of stress when it comes to your own personal classes. So, 
you know, maybe uh, you would likely benefit more than, say, maybe an elementary school student um, or someone who has a very, very relaxed job. And creatine also is really, really especially helpful for those older adults who also have a lot of stress, um, particularly for those uh, who are suffering with dementia. Um, the creatine does have some promising data when it comes to uh, promoting dementia or improving the cognitive decline of dementia or slowing it down over time. Um, so it, it is worth uh, mentioning that for, um, for those uh, sorts of populations, right? And since creatine is relatively, relatively safe to take, it has very minimal uh, side effects, um, it is you know, worth experimenting with. Yeah, so those are some of the benefits of creatine, and it's something that I would want to experiment with after this episode. But yeah, there's also uh, a lot of other supplements and herbs that are marketed towards cognition, so we're going to go into some of those. Um, so our first example is fish oil, which contains a lot of omega-3s, and it's important for brain development in babies, and it's thought to lower risk of future dementia if taken as a preventative, preventative step. But there is no memory-boosting benefit for those who are already healthy. Yeah, so fish oil is like mostly... Taken as like a preventative step for dementia, it's not much evidence for directly boosting your cognitive performance, at least in of itself. Um, so it's really mostly like super long-term thing and preventing a condition that will worsen uh, your cognitive performance. But in of itself, it won't really um, help too much, uh, at least for healthy adults, right? And the, the next supplement or I guess compound uh, that people often take for cognitive performance um, is caffeine. Uh, so a lot of you, I'm pretty sure, don't take supplemented caffeine, mostly through c coffee, but uh, they're both caffeine in either case. Uh, so when it comes to caffeine, um, it's not believed directly to help with memory um, in of itself, but most like directly, uh, but mostly indirectly through increasing your concentration, um, bettering your mood, and also increasing like... Um, your awareness, right, and how, like, you're, you're, I don't know how to say, like, how stimulated you are, so to say, like, I don't know, if you, if you, if you had a lot of caffeine, you know what I mean, uh, by that description, but, uh, yeah, caffeine in itself, not too helpful directly, but it's really just mostly with the other effects of caffeine that you feel, uh, that makes you believe you have better cognitive performance, so to say. Yeah, and another herb that is marketed towards cognition is Bacopa manieri. I have no idea how to say it. It's, That's probably better than my pronunciation. So, Yeah, it's new to me, so probably new to you guys. <laughs> but apparently it's a popular herb for cognitive boost. Uh, a 2014 meta-analysis of 518 subjects found potential benefit in cognitive performance, particularly the speed of attention. But more research is needed to determine how effective it can be compared to other medications. Yeah, so it's a promising herb um, or solvent, but so far it's not enough evidence to say um, conclusively that it does help. It's more of like a, an experimental thing um, for right now. Um, it's not going to be something that you hear a lot of experts say to the white population, oh, you should take this to help with uh, your memory. Uh, the evidence for it is just too insufficient as it stands right now. 
And another popular herb that's often marketed to improve mental performance is, I'm pretty sure I'm going to butcher this, uh, but it's called Ginkgo Biloboba. Hopefully I said it right. Um, I feel like I say that a lot to, with a lot of these names. I don't know how to pronounce them uh, perfectly, but uh, this herb is another herb uh, touted to improve your own memory. And when it comes to the evidence regarding this herb, um, it shows like the other one's uh, potential improvement, um, but like uh, the other herb, Bacopa monoreri, completely butchered it. But just like that one, um, the evidence the evidence for that one is also insufficient um, to conclusively say it does help, or at least too insufficient for experts to recommend it uh, for their clients to improve their memory. Um, and of course, uh, larger studies showing um, efficacy is needed. Uh, small studies did show potential improvement when it came to this herb, uh, but when you look at larger studies, it did show um, no benefit, at least when it comes to lowering dementia risk or the progression. Uh, so granted with this, it's the evidence for this herb is at least a little bit uh, insufficient as it stands right now. Uh, the next one is not really an herb, uh, but it's more of a particular vitamin. So vitamin B12 is another popular supplement, um, very, very common for memory aid. Actually, when I was going to the store, I actually did find, I was hearing a conversation with another lady talking about uh, vitamin B12 in her for memory, so I actually did see some personal experience with this. Uh, but when it comes to this vitamin, um, like the other ones, um, there's not really much evidence when it comes to improving memory, at least in Alzheimer's patients. Um, and also no evidence of it boosting memory outside of a deficiency in general. So if you're not deficient in this vitamin, um, you're likely not gonna see much of a benefit or any benefit at all. Uh, which makes sense, your body already has enough of the vitamin to you know, perform its, its function and just putting more fuel in a full gas tank, so to say, it's not really gonna do much to help you out. And although the benefit with that though is just that there's not really an upper limit with vitamin B12, so it's not gonna be like harmful for you. Unlike the other herbs where, you know, like sometimes like we mentioned in a previous episode where they may interfere with medications, right? Uh, so if you are taking medications and you are taking an herb and you don't tell your physician, um, you may feel, you may face interactions and you should really notify your physician about that. Uh, but the good thing about B12 is you oftentimes you just pee it out. So any excess, you're just putting down the toilet essentially. Uh, and if there's no upper limit for it, so you're likely not going to face any side effects from this. And the last herb um, that I do not know at all to pronounce is Phosphatidylserine. Is that how you pronounce it, Michelle? Is that how you think you pronounce it? Phosphatidylserine. Good enough. Good enough. There we go. Um, so this herb actually did show um, per performance improvements, um, at least in the short term, but only lasted a few months. Uh, not really long-term benefits been seen with this. Um, most of the research of this herb has been done on Alzheimer's and dementia patients. And with them, it... The benefits were only limited to really the mild cases of these diseases. And for healthy people, there's not much studies on this, but uh, granted, if it only helped the mild cases of Alzheimer's mild, like for only a short period of time, um, at least I would expect not to help too much when it came to healthy people. And if it did help, it would likely be very, very temporary. So those are some of the supplements and herbs that may help with cognition. And we're going to go on a quick commercial break. Uh, we'll be right back. 
This is 22 West Radio, KKJZ HD3, and on the internet at 22westradio.com. The National Association of Hispanic Journalists promote fair and accurate coverage of Hispanics in the news media. They support Hispanic journalists with resources, encourage better practices, and create more opportunities for employment. The student chapter bring guest journalists to campus, have information on internships, and is open to everyone. Follow at C-S-U-L-B-N-A-H-J on Instagram for more information today. Welcome back to Foodology Radio. Before break, we were talking mainly about vitamins and minerals that helped in cognition. And now we're going to talk about some non-nutrition aspects to good cognition. So the most important factor for good cognition, in my opinion, um, you hear it over and over again, is Mm. sleep. (laughs) Sleep, sleep, sleep. So you want to get eight hours. Um, That's typically the standard for sleeping. Depends on the person, I guess. And I know we're all busy people, but it's so important that you get enough sleep and prioritize your sleep. Personally, I know that I just um, do not have the best mood and attitude when I don't get enough sleep. So, yeah, it's important that I do. But, yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm a busy person. It happens. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Um, Actually, yesterday, um, I slept probably the latest I have in a really long time. Uh, I think I slept at like 1 in the morning, I believe. Uh, Usually, I sleep at 11. Um, but I slept at one just because I was doing like some survey I had to do by, I think by the, by that morning. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit tired right now. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe you noticed it, and some people in the audience noticed it. I'm a little bit tired, but um, you know, I had my morning coffee, my my morning cup of personality tea or personality coffee. So that helped a lot. But <laughs> trust me, from personal experience, uh, you want to get as, you, your um, good amount of sleep <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah, and it's been weird during this pandemic um, because we don't really have, like, schedules, <laughs> like, anymore. Yeah. So I just sleep too much, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, there is such thing as too much sleep. So, yeah, I just take naps throughout the day. And then, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Take naps during lecture. Yeah, so sleeping schedule is important, too. But anyways, um, some short-term effects of good sleep are improved energy, quicker reaction time, improved cognition and problem-solving abilities, decreased chance of headache development, and better ability to fight off infection. Yeah, so those are a heap of benefits of, of short-term sleep. Um, in of itself, those in of itself uh, would be very, very enticing to get enough sleep. Uh, a, I mentioned this right before you, man. You went through the benefits of sleep, um Michelle, but I just want to ask, have you ever slept during lectures? Because we were talking about like the loose schedule and how it's not very strict anymore with the pandemic and school and everything. Um, do you ever just like put on a lecture and just like take a nap and you, you, nap, you nap too long? I will not lie. Uh, I have never slept during class in an in-person class. I cannot fall asleep in a lecture yeah. hall. But, uh, but when you're in the comfort of your own bed, watching a Zoom lecture, 
sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <to> pass out. <laughs> yeah, I pass. I I slept through a good handful of lectures by now. Ever since the pandemic started, and it's kind of yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Just sometimes the professor is so boring, and it's like the lectures they're like they're boring, and it's like you're in your bed, you're laying down, you literally have to do nothing just to go to sleep. You know, it's so, it's just too easy now. Yeah, to any of my professors listening to this, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you you didn't, right, Michelle? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, we didn't. If you're a professor, we didn't sleep during your class. Um, I'm you, always taking notes. Yeah, you're always taking notes. Yeah, exactly. To everybody else, it's a different story. But just to those professors, uh, we didn't. Okay, just believe us like that way. Yeah, so anyways, um, some long-term effects of good sleep are also improved cognition and possible decrease in chance of developing Alzheimer's and decreasing the progressing of other cognitive diseases. And also, some link good sleeping habits to improved appetite. Yeah, so even the long-term benefits of sleep, right? Like, you have more long-term um, results when it comes to having a, a good sleeping habit over the long term, right? You overall have uh, lower chances, essentially, of the long-term diseases, right? Also called the chronic diseases, right? It's like dementia and other diseases that Michelle didn't mention, like cardiovascular disease, right? Uh, and diabetes. Uh, so sleep is very, very important when it comes uh, in that angle. So with all this topic of sleep, uh, what happens if you get too little, right? So the benefits of sleep are very, very uh, clear. We know them. Uh, so, but what if you're a college student, right? Like me and Michelle, and some nights you may get uh, too little sleep, right? So, uh, or if you're like me and the day before uh, yesterday, uh, sleeping at one in the morning. Uh, so if you had too little sleep, uh, you will uh, feel more drowsy, uh, more fatigue. Uh, you may wake up with a headache or migraine. Uh, you have a worse reaction time, so you take longer to respond uh, to immediate stressors. Uh, increased chance of, what well, is more long-term, um, increased chance of developing Alzheimer's and early-onset dementia, um, uh, worse appetite, and also poor or worse emotional responses. So you're more, um, I guess you're more emotional, so to say, or like you're, you fluctuate more often, right? Or with stronger emotions, too. Um so overall, overall speaking, uh, definitely don't want to get too little sleep. It has its own uh, downsides, as I'm currently facing right now. Um, do you ever face, or do you ever feel this, any of these, personally, Michelle, from your own personal experience? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would expect a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just yeah. All just of yeah. Them. <laughs> all of them? Okay. How often? Don't lie. Um, I don't know. As often as I don't get enough sleep. Okay, I guess that's technically true. <laughs> okay, how about this is a, this is an issue I'm sure only one person in the audience is facing right now. But how about too much sleep? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure not many people face this, but uh, there are downsides to too much sleep, believe it or not. So at least when it comes with too much sleep, uh, it is worth mentioning though that there is not much. Or at least not as much research when it comes to getting too much sleep and the potential bad effects of this. Uh, but it is worth noting that like too much sleep can also uh, decrease cognitive decline or, or shows a decreased cognitive uh, function. Also, too much sleep can also throw off your circadian rhythm 
uh, which can cause other effects in your body, right? So if you get too much sleep, you may notice you go to sleep later the following night, um, and then your whole sleep schedule gets messed up uh, if you keep on keeping it up. Um, so that's one downside of too much sleep. Uh, too much sleep can also increase the risk of, or the increased amount of time we fast, so the time that we're not eating, uh, which can potentially possess its own nutritional difficulties because um, you maybe could eat less, get less vitamins and minerals in. Um, at least uh, theoretically speaking, that could be an issue when it comes to the nutrition part. Uh, surprisingly enough, um, too much sleep is actually common, well, at least for me, um, during uh. the pandemic, because <laughs> um, there's just less to do, and I just fill up my time with sleep. <laughs> mm. And that's accountability, too. Um, you don't have, like, transportation to worry about, right? Uh, you can just have your camera off and Zoom and technically still be there, right? Even if you're... Um, Sleeping in class, which, you know, me and Michelle don't do, right? At least if you're, if you're a professor watching this or listening to this, we don't do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sure it has it's more common now during the pandemic just because with the lower amount of accountability we have during this time. And one final benefit of sleep, um, at least when it comes to uh, a very long-term uh, condition, uh, you may face uh, way down in the road, potentially 40 or 50 years from now. Um, hopefully not, but uh, sleep can also potentially uh, decrease the risk of dementia. Uh, so there's Alzheimer's or like Lewy body diseases, uh, forms of dementia, uh, and does this just because during the time of sleep, uh, your brain actually does take the time to like, clean out all the harmful byproducts uh, generated uh, throughout the day. And the generation of these byproducts throughout the day can actually increase uh, your risk of dementia if they're not properly uh, managed, so to say, by your brain. So uh, sleep is very, very valuable when it comes to your own long-term um, cognitive performance when it comes to at least uh, lowering your risk of dementia way in the future. And finally, another important factor to good cognition is exercise. So we all know that exercise can provide great mental benefits. Um, yeah, so it's not only a great way to improve physical fitness, but a great way to improve cognition. Personally, when I'm having a bad mental health day, um, going to the gym tends to help a bit. And um, yeah, it's kind of like a mindless activity as well. So it just just helps me focus on my breathing. And that's a meditation Mm -hmm. in itself. Yeah, that's I'm exactly the same way. Um, Some days when I plan to work out, uh, some days before I work out, I really don't feel like working out, and I kind of feel like just sitting in bed all day, and not the best mood, but a lot of the time I've noticed, like, after I worked out, um, I'm in a much better mood, and much more energetic, um, even though, like, two hours ago, I was just want to lay in bed <laughs> for the entire day. Yeah, it's a mood booster as well, and that's the that's the endorphins you get from exercise. Yeah, so, and that's, that's a reason in of itself to do exercise, right? Uh, just improving your mood for the rest of the day. Um, but of course, exercise has a lot of other benefits, um, you know, like disease risk pre- prevention and glucose management, but we're not talking about that right now. Uh, right now we're talking about the cognitive performance benefits of exercise. And exercise, um, at least one mechanism of exercise improving cognitive performance is just that uh, with exercise, promoting overall growth and triggering growth receptors, um, that areas in the brain related to memory and cognition can actually increase. Um, and that's actually been uh, 
observed this actually uh, just that with people who actually undertake uh, frequent exercise actually do have uh, larger brain regions in the areas of cognition and memory uh, so something worth um, noting at least and something worth or maybe a motivation to do regular exercise on a daily basis right especially if you're in finals week and exercise can also improve uh, sleep uh, like we mentioned before um, and also your mood uh, which both of these in of itself can also improve cognition if you have better sleep uh, oftentimes you have better uh, mental function the day after and you have a better mood we're in a better mood right and you oftentimes you're able to think better if you're uh, more happy or right and more energetic compared to uh, being more down in the day so that was all we had for today's episode on cognition um, yeah, it's a short episode. So now we just have our recipe of the week, which um, is Aaron's personal recipe on nice cream. So. Yeah, so I, I like this recipe for this episode just because I think it fits the topic of today's episode very well. Uh, just because there's a lot of ingredients in there that at least um, are often thought to improve uh, memory. Uh, so the recipe does include a blender. So most of this is blended together. So uh, you just get maybe like a cup of strawberries, frozen strawberries. Um, that's very important and you just put in the blender uh, you put in your milk of choice I personally use the silk almond cashew uh, protein milk uh, you put in some protein powder um, optional if you want uh, pe- peanut powder uh, a banana frozen banana and dark chocolate and blueberries um, after you blend it and then you put in creatine in it so uh, it does have creatine in it which we did mention earlier in today's episode um, right when it comes to potentially improving cognitive performance um so that's where like the cognitive improvement part of the recipe goes uh, comes from uh, but it also has blueberries uh, and dark chocolate which uh, are foods that are also thought to improve cognitive functions like blueberries have um, anthocyanins which are compounds uh, thought to improve memory and the dark chocolate is also another uh, food also thought to improve uh, cognitive performance as well like a brain food so to say for lack of a better word yeah, so we didn't talk too much about brain foods during this episode, but yeah, um, the ones I've heard of um, are blueberries, dark chocolate, and nuts. So we had a little bit of peanuts in this recipe. Yeah, so maybe maybe in a future episode we can talk about uh, brain foods, quote-unquote, um, a whole episode just on that. Uh, this was a very general uh, cognitive episode, so it talked about a variety of topics. Uh, maybe in the future that'd be a good topic for a future episode so um, hopefully you guys like that recipe also um, i personally add a sweetener to it to just make it a lot more sweet and it sort of acts like an like a, an ice cream for me on a daily basis so i personally like it and it has a lot of uh, nice healthy ingredients and you get, that's an easy way for me to get my creatine in for the day uh, so i highly encourage you guys to try out uh, this recipe it's a really really sweet and delicious ice cream you can have but with that uh, that does mark the end of today's episode on uh, cognition. And this is actually the last episode, um, at least for this school year, since it is going up on around finals week. So um, we'll be hopefully back after the summer break for was it fall 2021. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we can, I'll say my goodbyes. Thank you guys for watching us or listening to us for the whole year. Um, really appreciate you all sticking with us and listening to our episodes this whole year yeah this is a huge milestone for us like what what episode number is this i think like 20 i believe 
Yeah, mm. so we've been doing this for like a year now. So honestly, thank you so much to all our listeners. And yeah, we're going to miss you this summer, but we'll be back next yeah. semester. We will be back as strong as ever um, after the summer break. Uh, starting off fall 2021 strong, right? We have a whole summer to plan and think of how we're going to do the last year of us hosting the show, right? Because next year we're going to start to be seniors. Can you believe that? Yeah, it was crazy. It was our last year with this podcast. But um, yeah, if you guys have any suggestions or anything specific you want to hear from us, um, we'll still be active on social media or Instagram. So make sure to follow us there. Yeah, so if you have any questions, just contact our social media. We'll, we can re- we pretty much always are looking over it, so we'll reply very, very fast uh, to any messages you have towards us. But yeah, I guess, again, thank you for watching us the whole year, and hopefully uh, you'll stick with us till next year uh, for fall 2021. But until then, we'll see you next time.